to Routines and Ruts, the podcast about daily rhythms and the inevitable stumbles in our days. I'm your host, Madeline Dorr, and for more than half a decade, I've been asking people what their days look like, what they do, when they do it, how they do it, and I've recently bundled all the insights into my very first book, I Didn't Do the Thing Today. It's all about taking productivity off its pedestal and instead replacing it with our own way of doing things. It's now available for pre-order, so if you need a permission slip to be less hard on yourself in the new year, you can find a link in the show notes to get yourself a copy. In the lead up to the launch, I'm also answering your productivity guilt and existential quandaries, so I'll pop a link in the show notes to where you can submit a question of your very own for me to untangle for you. A quick note to say that I'm not a licensed therapist and there's no qualification per se to be really versed in productivity guilt, except I can assure you that I have a very intimate experience with the subject. And as I've mentioned, I've written a book about it. So that's all to say, though, that I think each of us are making it up as we go along. So I hope at the very least, this can inspire you to embrace doing the same. Now, Before I dive into this week's question, I did have a lot of fun sharing my routine and my rut of the week, so I thought that I'd do the same again. So the routine of the week that I wanted to dive into is that of morning pages. If you listened to last week's episode, you might recall that I spoke about the importance of finding your first domino that can have a nice effortless knock-on effect that helps other habits fall in line. And... I mentioned that I've been consistently writing morning pages for the last little while. And morning pages, for those who aren't familiar, is something that is fundamental to The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. The idea is to fill three pages of a notebook with stream of consciousness journaling. So saying whatever comes or writing out whatever comes to mind as it comes to mind, not overthinking it, just allowing the pen to move across the page. Ideally, it's done first thing in the morning in that sleepy, hazy, wonderful state. So you can really have that meeting with your unconscious mind, essentially. It can be really mundane. So it can be something as simple as what you're craving for breakfast or how you forgot to take the bins out. Or you might have this huge life epiphany in those pages. You kind of don't know what you're going to get each day, but the idea is to be meeting yourself. And the reason why I find it so integral to my day is that I find that it's the thing that can ground me. The way that I've actually noticed this is that I find myself far more tangled up on the days or the weeks or the months where I abandon the practice of doing the morning pages. And that's frequently, if I'm honest with you. There's many, many months gone by where I don't do morning pages. And by abandoning the pages, I can actually see how important they are. Even when I tell myself that it's a really pointless thing to do, I don't really feel like filling up a notebook with the fact that I forgot to take the bins out, not doing them, I was able to see the tangle I got myself into in my own thoughts. So even if by doing the pages, I just get one not out, it's worth it. And so I just wanted to share why I do morning pages and how I approach them, which is in the morning, (laughs) fancy that, at a cafe. It's a moment of delicious solitude 
and a wonderful meeting with myself, particularly helpful during turbulent times and something that really helps to steady me in my days and something worth protecting, which is a great segue to my rut of the week, which is actually a segue from last week's rut. So I hope you can keep up with all the segues because I'll be flinging them at you. To recap, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, my rut was actually on relearning the art of mingling. And I spoke about this great advice that when we are attempting to talk to strangers, we can make an offer to connect. That offer can be accepted or rejected. If it's rejected, it's not personal. Maybe someone's just not up for mingling. If it's accepted, then you can extend the offer and that's when you can mingle. So that was a really helpful frame for me in terms of approaching mingling and meeting new people. But while I can accept the rejection side of things a little bit easier in that I know that rejection isn't personal, it can still sting, but really trying to remind yourself that it's it's not something to do with you often. When I'm on the side of being the person to decline an offer, I think that's a lot harder than receiving the decline. And so back to me, during my morning pages, a really steadying practice in the morning at a cafe. I happened to see someone that I know and did a lovely little wave to say hello, but then I returned to my journaling. This delightful person, maybe having listened to the podcast and got that tip on (laughs) how to master the art of mingling, um, came up to say hello um, and ask if they could sit with me. And my impulse as a people pleaser, my rut, if you will, my well-worn path is to say yes before even thinking about the question because yes would be the polite thing to do. Yes would be the nice thing to do. Yes would mean that someone would like me more because I'm being nice and polite. But to my own astonishment, I took a moment and I paused. I could actually hear my inner dialogue riding through that well-worn path of people-pleasing But I caught myself and in that pause, I looked down at my journal and I saw that I had one more page to go and then I had to head off to the gym for a class. And then I found myself saying, actually, I'd really like to finish my morning pages if that's okay, but it was lovely to see you. Have a lovely day. And in that moment, I couldn't believe I was saying those words. I couldn't believe that I was declining an offer and it felt uncomfortable because it was so new, but that's what gets us out of a well-worn path or a rut is doing something different. And in that moment, yes, I was declining someone's offer. I was saying no, hopefully politely, but I was saying yes to myself. And I was saying yes to something that really grounds me in my day and yes to putting my own desire and my own needs first first thing in the morning. And so I think that's interesting to keep in mind with the things that we want to cultivate in our days is that we are going to receive invitations. There are going to be interruptions. There'll be distractions. There'll be more enticing things. We'll be pulled in so many different directions. And sometimes we need to protect what it is that we want to do or need to do for ourselves. And that can be risking coming across as mean. But just as it's important to remember that a rejection isn't personal, For me, the real epiphany was realizing that saying no doesn't equal being mean. A no isn't mean. A no can be simply a response to a question. 
So that was my routine and rut of the week. And now onto this week's question. Dear Madeline, I'm so inconsistent every day and have been listening to all of the podcasts and reading all of the other articles, desperately searching for a fix. I guess any tips, advice, or thoughts you have on consistency and productivity would be great to hear. Oh, dear listener, person after my own inconsistent heart. I know that I just spoke about doing morning pages consistently, and I will circle back to that in a moment. But in my heart of hearts, my truest self, I'm inconsistent, higgledy-piggledy. I'm a contradiction. As Ralph Waldo Emerson put it, speak what you think now in hard words, and tomorrow speak what tomorrow thinks in hard words again, though it contradicts everything you said today. To be great is to be misunderstood. And... That really should be the disclaimer of this podcast. What I say this week may greatly contradict next week because I contain multitudes like we all do. Over the years, I've slowly learned to embrace this contradictory, inconsistent, higgledy-piggledy version of myself, but it wasn't always this way. I can deeply, deeply, deeply relate to this desperate search for a fix and my way of approaching that was looking at how other people do things. So for a long time, it was my greatest source of productivity guilt that I wasn't consistent or I wasn't as consistent as I thought other people were. I used to berate myself for not being able to stick to a routine or not do something like write at the same time every day or share a newsletter every single week or pick up a new habit with seeming ease. And it was a real mystery to me how other people managed to do that. A quote that I've always gravitated towards to explain this kind of curiosity is by Miranda July in her book, It Chooses You. And she wrote, all I ever really wanted to know is how other people are making it through life. Where do they put their body hour by hour and how do they cope inside of it? So that really was the impetus to start my project, Extraordinary Routines, interviewing people about what they did and when they did it, what their routine looked like, how they maintain consistency day by day, essentially. And it's also what led to this podcast as well, that that how are you sticking to a routine or how are you moving through a rut or what does a rut look like to you and what does a routine look like to you? And so these projects are a direct response to this longing, this desperation to know the secret to sticking to a routine consistently. And so I searched and I searched for more than five years asking people how they do things and I didn't find it in another person. I didn't find the secret, but I did find something in myself that has helped me find far more ease in my contradictory inconsistent way of being. And so that's what I'd like to share with you in answer to your question is that I don't necessarily have the secret to perfect consistency because as I'll get to, I'm not sure that that exists, but I can say that there's been a few things that have helped reframe this yearning to be consistent so that I no longer fall into the productivity guilt spiral. So the first thing that has helped has been Knowing that other people are inconsistent as well. That's been the most illuminating thing about interviewing so many people about how they do things is finding that there's no one way to do things and that there's no secret that we can copy and paste onto our own lives. Instead, there's all these shared feelings 
we are all grappling with what it's like to be an imperfect, inconsistent, higgledy-piggledy human being in a world that ebbs and flows. And so what I saw so clear through these projects is that things vary person to person. And I know that that sounds really obvious, but I think that it's so easy to forget when we live in a world where the aspiration for a human being is almost that to be like a product perfectly packaged, consistently neat on a shelf. We can forget that we all have individual energy levels, mental and physical health or diagnoses and our days vary depending on how much sleep we get or what is going on in our lives or in our schedules. We're all so different and each day is so different. And so it is incredibly humbling to remember that it's a difficult aspiration to be consistent when being a human being by nature is ever-changing and our days are also ever-changing. So much of the day is uncertain and yet we think that we can streamline it with consistency. And so I think that that's the second thing that has really helped me reframe this longing to be consistent and that is that there's actually a cost to consistency, which is rarely spoken about. So with this podcast, for example... I tried to put it out on a Monday. Here I am recording it on a Tuesday. I can easily become quite stressed about the fact that I'm not putting this out on a Monday and feel quite anxious and feel shame for not doing so and spiral into productivity guilt. But then I can remember that this is a rule that I've set for myself. This podcast by nature is a labor of love. No one's asking me to create it. I decided arbitrarily to put it out on a Monday and maybe a few people notice and that's quite lovely to be noticed, but I'm sure no one's day hopefully is going to be ruined if I put it out on a Tuesday instead of a Monday. I'm sure the vast majority of people don't even notice. And so here I am getting myself into a tangle, into a tizzy because of a rule that I've set for myself. And so consistency, I think that's what can be quite powerful is that it helps us adhere to rules that we set for ourselves that would hope give us some steadiness in our days. But sometimes we stumble over those rules that we set for ourselves and they can make us busier. They can make us more stressed. They can make us more anxious. They can make us burn out because we're putting the consistency of a thing ahead of our own health at times. And so We can burn out because of a rule that we can actually change ourselves. And that's not always the case. Obviously, there's rules or expectations that are placed on us that can be difficult for us to untangle from, or we can't just decide not to do something or to change something from a Monday to a Tuesday. But I'm talking about those rules that we do set for ourselves and that expectation of consistency that might actually be more malleable than we allow. So we can actually embrace the ebb and flow a bit more rather than becoming overwhelmed or stressed or burnt out for the sake of consistency. And so the final thing that's helped me in terms of reframing consistency is how we actually define it. And as I delve into in my book, one common mistake people make when it comes to defining consistency is equating it with intensity. And this is something that I learned from the author Simon Sinek, which explains the difference. And so he says, intensity is like going to the dentist. It is fixed in time. We know exactly which state we are going. We know how long we are going to be there. 
and we know when we come out, our teeth will feel smooth and look pearly. But if that is all we do, all our teeth will fall out. In other words, intensity is not enough. And so this really helped me see that something doesn't have to be perfect for it to be consistent. Just as how only going to the dentist may cause our teeth to fall out, likewise, if we miss a day or two of brushing our teeth, they are unlikely to fall out. So consistency doesn't have to be all or nothing. You're not simply consistent or inconsistent. Rather, it's an accumulation of what we do over time. If I apply this to my own projects, I can now see that from an accumulative point of view, I have been consistent. For more than half a decade, I contributed to a body of interviews, experiments, and articles for my project Extraordinary Routines, which has been extended into this podcast, Routines and Ruts. But even though I did it in an ad hoc way with no particular content schedule, and sometimes I do a few interviews a month, or sometimes I wouldn't do one for months at a time, I have now built a body of work that was enough to draw upon for all these incredible lessons. And so even though I failed, quote unquote, to stick to an intense weekly schedule that some people might do with a labor of love, if I take the long view, there's some assurance that the bits that you do do build over time. So a day or a week or a month may go by where we don't do morning pages or or there is some kind of personal goal that is pushed or missed or has to wait till Tuesday instead of Monday because life. (laughs) But when we look back from an accumulative point of view, when we step back and take the long view, we can actually see how far we've come and we can see the consistency like brushing our teeth over the long haul. And don't forget to floss as well. But it's, it's that long view rather than that intense spurt. But even with those lessons, so remembering that as human beings, we're inconsistent in our energy, in our days, but also that sometimes consistency can be to our own detriment if we're arbitrarily ticking boxes just to be consistent and putting our own health or our own priorities to the side. And also this idea that there's a difference between intensity and consistency, and we can take a long view with consistency. Even with all of this, how these learnings have helped me take leaps and bounds in accepting that we're non-linear, that we're cyclical, that we're seasonal, we're inconsistent yet wonderful. There is still a voice inside my head that wonders, but Madeline, what if you were consistent? What if you did put out your podcast consistently? What if you did write every day? It's Difficult to tell sometimes when it's embracing where you are, which is an imperfect, inconsistent human being, and when it's complacency. It's difficult to identify sometimes when we're being hard on ourselves and when we're sabotaging ourselves. It can be difficult to know the difference between when you're forcing something that's not ready yet versus being lazy. And I don't have the answer there because All of those questions require self-reflection and self-awareness. And so there's no straightforward answer for one person. And then even if you did arrive on an answer, that doesn't mean that that won't change for you. So with all that said, self-recrimination is the last thing that will help me do things. And maybe that's the same for you. The last thing that will help me be productive is 
productivity guilt. I'll only fall deeper down the spiral of productivity guilt when I'm berating myself for not being consistent, for not sticking to a routine, for not doing the thing when I said I would do the thing at the specific time I said I would do it. I only fall further and further into the space of lamenting where it becomes close to impossible to do anything. So I think that when you want to do something, when you know how good something can be for you, that's when you can find yourself being consistent. So that's where we can circle back to morning pages as an example of how I've been doing that consistently. And I've been doing that consistently because I saw that I've become so much more tangled up when I don't do it. And so I know how much better I feel when I do it. And so it's this natural incentive to be consistent doing it. Well, the consistency is just a byproduct, actually, of doing this thing that makes me feel steady and good. And so it's no longer just a box to tick. When it was a box to tick to do my morning pages, my heart wasn't in it. My inconsistent heart couldn't be convinced. But when it's something that I know feels good to me, then it, it becomes congruent to who I am. And then I'm bringing all sides of my contradictory self to the table to do my morning journaling. And so I think maybe that's just it, is that once you know what you want to do or you know what makes you feel good and that's individual, you can then experiment with finding ways to do it that works for you. Or you can see that like the first domino, it becomes rather effortless to do it consistently because it's no longer about just being consistent. It's about doing this thing that feels good to you. So once you've found the thing that makes you feel good or you've found the incentive that's not just consistency, that's where you can tweak it and have some fun with it. So say it is writing that you want to be doing. I have a friend who aims to write for 30 minutes a day. That's the consistent aim. But if she misses a day, she can tack it on to the next. And so worst case scenario, it might get to Sunday sometimes. And so she'll do a three and a half work session on the writing. Um, but there's an incentive to do it each day so that she can have the Sunday to herself. Another approach to consistency could be something I learned from Austin Cleon, which is to have a checkbox approach to a routine. So just having a handful of things that you know make you feel good. So in his example, it's journaling, writing, going for a walk and reading. And if he ticks off all those things on a day, that's a good day. But it's not as if it's a terrible day if he hasn't done those things. Some people set aside different seasons for different things. I know that when I spoke to the musician Jen Cloa, she saw the writing process as different seasons. So you can think of the summer as the time of when you're touring and you're sharing with the world, but then there's the fallow winter where you're taking in the inspiration and then sowing the seeds come the springtime. Other people need consistency, so need that a meeting with themselves at a particular time, but it works for them. They actually show up at the desk at 8am. It doesn't feel like an unrealistic expectation that can be the thing that spirals. But if it's an expectation that you then find yourself meeting because you want to and you know it's good for you and it's doable for you, then that can be incredibly grounding for some people. So I think it's really just recognizing that you will ebb and flow. You will go up and down. You'll pick things up and pop them back down again. I personally like to bullet journal to track the things that I don't do. And then that way, once I see that I've been moving a task over day by day, 
Uh, I can reassess if it's something I really need to do or want to do and simply cross it off the list because maybe it's just another rule that I've set for myself that I'll only break. So know that you will veer off track like I do with the pages and that's the very thing that teaches you whether it's an important thing that you want to be doing or not. So to recap this response to your consistency quandary, if I've learned anything in my deep dive into how people do things, is that there's no secret because we each vary and each day varies. So instead, we can listen to those variations and move with them. We can also reframe consistency and take the long view of something. We can also take note of when we might be leaning towards sabotage, but also know that we're more likely to succeed at something when we want to do it and it feels congruent to who we are. Then, the most fun part of all is that we can experiment with how we best want to approach something and bring our full inconsistent hearts to the process. So thank you for listening to this episode of Routines and Ruts. If you'd like more of my thoughts on navigating the stumbles of productivity guilt, please do pre-order my book. Chapters delve even further into related topics like falsely idolizing routine, perfectionism, and when expectations get in the way. So I think you'll get a lot from it. You'll find a link in the show notes, along with a link to where you can ask questions to be considered for an upcoming episode of Routines and Ruts. Talk soon. And until then, remember, as C.S. Lewis put it, isn't it funny how day by day nothing changes, but when you look back, everything is different. (laughs) 